In this episode of the 49 Up Podcast, we'll be talking about the behemoth of Doctor Who conventions, Gallifrey One. In 2013, it's known as the 24 Hours of Gallifrey, as our roving reporter Ian Garbett prepares to go for his fifth visit to the Los Angeles convention and to talk to some of the guests and panellists for the 49 Up podcast. It's episode 13 of the 49 Up podcast. James here and with my co-host for the last month, it's Ian. Hi. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Gallifrey 1 in this episode, seeing as the 24th edition of the convention is coming up in the next few days. By the time this podcast comes out on Friday, Ian will be just about waking up to start going on the three-day roller coaster ride that is Gallifrey. So, uh, hope hope uh, people are listening intently for what you're going to bring back from that convention. I hope I hope I manage to bring uh, something that is useful back or very least interesting. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Uh, we're going to move into uh, our pre- uh, sort of preview slash review of what ha- what's happened at Gallifrey previously and what we can expect for this year's event. So let's move on. Uh, let's move into the rest of the show. <laughs> Right, uh, Gallifrey 1 has been going on for 24 years now, so that would have started back in 89, right? Uh, it was actually 1990, back in May. Um, 1990. Mm. Uh, a small, I mean, humble uh, convention back then with only 660 people. <laughs> and it's moved up to like 3,200 this year, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, well, it was um, 3,183 last year, and <laughs> this year they've sold out. So Wow. Well, uh, it's all organised by uh, several people, but the main big uh, head honcho of it all is Sean Lyons, who's been uh, organising it ever since it started back in 1990. I think to, to keep a... Uh, convention of this scale uh, that managed to get Hoovians from all across the world to stay, to keep going like this is just quite an amazing feat. And I mean, for, from the reception that it garners through podcasters and fans and whatever, it, it, it's I assume it's a very enjoyable experience to be at. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I think um, obviously when it started, it just um, played uh, to the idea of sort of like the local sort of um, people, I guess, or at least people from sort of like states and Canada. But it's as as with you know Doctor Who growing and whatnot. It's because I mean it, Doctor Who was never sort of like majorly well known sort of like in the states until you know sort of like Tom Baker came along sort of like anyway. But um, it's it, over the years, it's just gotten bigger and it's drawn in people from across the pond. You know, and uh, we've, there's about as many British people there now as there are any other set of people. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, you have been there. What, what is you've said? It's this is going to be your, as you say, your fifth visit, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Is it is it been five consecutive visits that this will be, or has it been like uh, like here and there some years that you've had to skip or something? I I had to skip uh, 2010 and 2011 um, 
due to sort of like financial reasons at the time. Yeah. But um, other than that, yeah, it's been the, I've had two blocks, one block of three and this block of two. Although I, I won't be going next year because I'm doing uh, more money shifting, but I, I will go back, you know, when as and when I can. As and when. Uh, so, so what? Um from what we're going to get into later what have been like your if you if you can remember that far what have been like the best memories you've had of um gallifrey previously well um they've they've all sort of had their own sort of uh, unique sort of like interests but I, th- I think the one i remember the most was um gallifrey one twenty to life um where one of the things I remember, Wendy Padbury was um, one of the the guests, and um, at one at one point, me and my friend Tim and um, some somebody else whose name escapes me at the minute, we were just going to go off and have uh, dinner before all the evening entertainment, and uh, Wendy Padbury just came up to us and said, "Are you going for dinner? Uh, can 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 I join you?" And we said, "Yeah, by all means." And so we had dinner with Wendy Padbury, which was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's that sort of thing with this convention that's been well known that um, it is a convention which gets the guests a lot closer to the fans than I think that any other general, maybe British, uh, as in UK convention or anything like that can usually do. But I mean, it's got supposedly it's got that atmosphere of that there's there's not there's not as many barriers between the people who make the show and the people that watch the show yeah it's i mean in 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 the uk it's always been a bit um it, it's always sort of like being an us and them sort of thing to it to a certain degree i mean some uh, you know some people like certainly the big finnish crowd they, they were always happy to sort of like mingle with the fans and, and people like colin baker and nick courtney you know, and certainly Annika Wills, you know, again, they would sort of like all interact. Um, some people, not so much, like Peter Davison wouldn't be around too much. Um, but, you know, it's each to their own. Some Sometimes you don't mind spending an evening in the company of fans. Other times you probably just want to get away <laughs> from them as quick as possible. <laughs> I mean, with uh, these uh, conventions, I think... Uh, unless I were to do a, a bigger like research about other conventions, I'd have thought that maybe this convention is probably one of the biggest in terms of the amount of guests that you have compared to maybe other Doctor Who conventions. Because un- unless I were to look around, I'd, I'd have thought that this has got this convention every year usually has the most amount of guests relating to Doctor Who or things of that similar nature. Yeah, because I, I mean, you have um, with your UK ones, you're obviously limited by your hotel sort of like size and your limitations so it's very rare that you'll get anything much more than like 500 people in the in a uk hotel but these american ones they just sort of they're governed to you know accommodate masses of people um i think i think chicago tardis probably draws in quite a fair crowd but i, I think this is as, as far as i'm aware the only one that's completely you know sold out in sort of like recent years uh, i don't i don't know why it should necessarily be popular um i know why gallifrey as a convention is more popular than some of the uk ones it's because there's just so much to do um because in in the uk ones you've basically got your autographs your photographs your dealer's room and your main panels but in in America they have so many side panels and art galleries and masquerades and costume things. It's there's just an abundance. There's you, you never you know find a moment where you you don't have anything 
to do. Although, admittedly, most of the time we do spend our time in the bar, but that's just us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking when you were talking about how the American uh, hotels that are built mainly to accommodate big really large bulks of people i was thinking that um they must have a lot of that for uh, san diego comic con in uh, july which i would say has a doctor who panel but obviously it's not a uh, doctor who centric convention compared to gallifrey so i think that obviously gallifrey would still be the largest um convention for uh, doctor who fans in in terms of that but also um it, it, unless you were to count, say, what is like the largest amount of people that go to see a Doctor Who panel or something like that, you'd probably say that the San Diego Comic Con uh, Doctor Who panel usually has probably the most attendees at once, probably. Yeah, I'll I'll probably go with that. I mean, you know, the, the Americans do love, you know, their their sort of science fiction and whatnot, and so mm. there's 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 always a lot, but there's there seems to either be uh, the way I see it is that there either seems to be too much science fiction in America, so it means that everyone sort of like thins out across um, the different ones. But in, in the UK, there are, unless they're sort of like being imported and took off really well, there is really only sort of like Doctor Who that's our sort of main flagship sci-fi series nowadays. And even mm. and even you know then it's not it's not always been around. A few others have popped in every once in a while, like uh, Red Dwarf and things. But um, yeah. Doctor Who's obviously so, just done really well. It's, it's, it's almost like the Red Dwarf was the off-season filler for um, Doctor Who, because I mean it was it was mainly on during the Wilderness years, and obviously it's come back recently, even though Doctor Who's still on. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do like Red Dwarf. <laughs> I'm, I, I was actually quite pleased with um, the new That's, series. I know a lot of people thought, "Oh God, this is going to be awful," but it yeah. actually turned out really, really well. And it's like it was like a return to sort of like the classic sort of just those for yeah. none of you know these Kachanskis or multiple red dwarfs or yeah. anything so I, I liked it for that i th- i think with the the upgrade the um updated uh production values didn't detract from the comedy and it's uh what originally interested us so yeah i, I love the i love the uh, tenth series as well and i hope they can do more As I said in the uh, earliest earlier segment, that uh, the guest list for this year's Gallifrey uh, Gallifrey One is quite long, so I think we'll uh, go through a bit of a discussion of what we think of the uh, people that are going to be uh, that are confirmed to be coming up uh, this year. So uh, let's start with um, Freema Adjiman, Sylvester McCoy, and Philip Hinchcliffe. Uh, uh, Freema, who played Martha Jones in 2007 and 2008. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, the Seventh Doctor, and Philip, Philip Hinchcliffe, who was uh, the producer for... Um, so many Tom, many uh, Tom Baker episodes, mainly his first three seasons, which uh, go between about Genesis of the Daleks and the Towns of Wang Chiang, which seems like a uh, very uh, interesting starting three there. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, Freeman hasn't um, been seen for some time, as is often should be the case with uh, sort of like former companions. Um, uh, Sylvester's always sort of like a, a joy. 
uh, to see um, when he's not being ill. <laughs> um, and I mean, Philip Hinchcliffe, you know, one of the the best sort of <laughs> you know producers of you know one of the best range uh, you know sort of section of Doctor Who, and that came out of that era really. I mean, because there were so many classics in in his era that um you know are very well remembered oh you think yeah uh um with freema i think she, obviously she's one of the um the uh uh lesser favorited uh new series companions but i think she's she's still she's got some acting talent and i think she, she she's she could have uh, had she had a lot of potential in her portrayal in her character and could have uh, been a lot more than she did. Uh, Sylvester, I, I at some point I, I've never really been to conventions, but I really hope to at some point this year. I want to start a, a trend of going to conventions and I want to meet some of the uh, classic doctors before uh, the unfortunate uh, after effect that is called death starts creeping up on them. And uh, um, Philip Hinchcliffe, I mean, isn't he one of the earliest uh, producers that we've still got alive at the minute? Since uh, Barry Letts uh, passed away recently. Uh, probably, because I can't... It's, it's one of those um, things that I can't... I think Derek Sherwin's still alive. Yes, he, he is. I think... Isn't he... Um, I, I can't remember if he's actually at the convention. Or, um, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I saw <laughs> his name recently. But um, no, I think he's still going... Yeah, you know, it's quite strong. I mean, you, you see him on all these uh, DVD documentaries all, all the time, but obviously, you know, they are recorded some time in advance. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, Philip Philip Hinchcliffe. Um, I mean, the, the sad thing is, I mean, there's not many producers before, but then there's not a lot after because JNT was sort of like the main bod from you know Fifth yeah. Doctor onwards, and you know, he passed away some mm. time ago. It's all it's all uh, falling apart at the seams with the amount of the uh, um, the Doctor Who family that are passing away. But uh, let's move on. Uh, yeah. Deborah Watling, Mark Strickson, and Peter Purvis—three companions that are stretched far uh, far and wide across the uh, first five Doctors spectrum. Um, Peter Purvis being Stephen in with the William Hartnell uh, era, Deborah Watling being Victoria Waterfield in the Second Doctor era, and Mark Strickson as Vizsla Turlow in the Fifth Doctor era. I mean, classic companions being as they are, I think that getting these sorts of people to conventions is a, a gem to actually be able to talk to the uh, companions because it's, it's something that is... We all um, are told that the uh, jumping on point for viewers is through the companion. And I think being able to talk to the companions of the era where Doctor was obviously going from a family show to a niche market and then into the new series, it becomes a much more mainstream again. That It's interesting to talk to those kinds of uh, people in, involved in the show. Yeah, I mean, you got, um, I mean, obviously you've got Peter Purvis, who was the um, Martha Jones of his day, you know, <laughs> who, was, who <laughs> appeared in, later on. Um, after just a few sh- short episodes, um, who, uh, yeah, Mark, Mark Strickson, he's he's always you know come and gone um, throughout uh, sort of like Doctor Who history because obviously he went and did uh, a lot of I think wildlife series for um, for Discovery Channel, um, and so he, he's always got a lot to say like long after he left Doctor Who. And Deborah Watling are absolutely bonkers, but bless her. 
Saul Metstein and Douglas McKinnon, two new series directors. Saul directed Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, Town Called Mercy and The Snowmen, plus two additional episodes that are still to air in Series 7 Part 2. And Douglas directed The Sontaran Stratagem, Poison Sky and recently The Power of Three and an episode of the second half of Series 7. I mean... Having directors in Gallifrey has been a bit of a uh, sort of scare sort of thing. Because I think only recently we had, uh, I think, Toby Haynes, was it about, I think it was either last year or the year before, because he'd been working on the uh, uh, uh Opens Big Bang and he talked to Radio Free Scar. But I think getting directors in is quite a nice way to get more into the production side a lot. Well, this is, I mean, con- conventions have always... Um tried to balance um the that that you know between costume and actors and you know all the people behind the scenes i mean for the, for the most people they are there to see you know the the actors um but um you know it, it, i i find you know listening to certainly what the writers are doing and all the people behind the scenes it's 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 interesting to sort of like hear some some of those things i mean admittedly when it comes to directors uh, i i know sort of like very little about them i know they direct but <laughs> the, the only one i'm really familiar with is um graham harper i think and and, and he's, he's the only one i sort of like really know because you know being involved in classic who ben browder and mark shepherd two um very talented actors with between them, a very wide spectrum of science fiction pedigree between them. Because, I mean, Mark's been in, well, it's almost an endless list of, like, Firefly, Warehouse 13, Supernatural, Battlestar Galactica, The Middleman, Leverage. Uh, Ben's been in uh, Farscape and Stargate SG-1. I mean, these are evidently a pair of um, science fiction actors in general, mainly because they've been in that many. And they obviously love the show so much that they just managed to star in this, um, in our favourite show of Doctor Who, of course. Mm. I mean, I'd heard of Ben Browd before because of um, the Stargate SG-1, but Mark Shepard was admittedly uh, new to me. Um, although the, the series he was in, they all, you know, ring the bell and sound familiar, you know, the likes of um, Firefly and Battlestar Galactica. But I, having never actually seen them, he when I first saw him, he was like a completely new person to me so that was quite nice sometimes seeing someone that you don't recognize yeah yeah i, I mean obviously i'd heard of as the opposite to you i'd heard of uh, ben browder in farscape because it uh when my uh, grandmother would record um the simpsons off bbc2 it always uh seemed to be on afterwards and if she didn't press the stop button she'd record bits of farscape so i knew him from that and of it, and it's the same with you, uh, with Mark Shepard. I don't know exactly what he, what what his background was, and who who exactly uh, he was in an, as an actor. But obviously, I, I still liked his portrayals, and uh, I caught on to the character very quickly. Hmm. Just move down. June Hudson and Dick Mills. Uh, June Hudson is, when I read the thing, is a costume designer from the latter half of Tom Baker's era. So she created the uh, the uh, scarf and uh, jacket esque um, bohemian look for Tom Baker. Did she? Yeah, she she did. Um, 
I think she, I, I definitely know she had a hand in the dark red burgundy sort of like outfit and she did a lot of stuff for Romana and the Argolans and, and things like that um, so she was definitely around during during that time um, and uh, I've, I've seen her on um, documentaries before but never sort of like met her in person but yeah. um, she seems a, a nice enough dear old lady <laughs> <laughs> Dick Mills who is a, uh, le- a sound effects designer for the BBC Radiophonic Workshop He's, he's making his first appearance at Gallifrey One uh, this year and he's, he's produced the special sound for nearly every episode of the series from the early 1970s. What's a special sound? Um, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm guessing there must have been um, you know, a series of sounds or whatever that he was just sort of like well known for. I know he wasn't the um, the TARDIS noise. That was somebody else whose name I've temporarily forgotten. Um, but I know he was the one that sort of like um, discovered sort of like uh, the key against the piano strings. But I'm, I can't remember which what stuff Dick Mills specifically did. Um, but I, I remember the face from a lot of the DVDs. <laughs> well, uh, it's it's going to be interesting there to have some more behind-the-scenes people from the classic era. Um, Michael Jaston and Francis Barber, two uh, what, relatively famous uh, villains from both the classic and new series, being as Michael was the Valiard and Francis Barber was Madame Kavarian in... Um, Series six, or also known as Eye Patch Lady. Uh, it's always nice to have the um, the villains to come, especially when we had uh, Eric Roberts coming uh, back a few years ago for the uh, telly movie reunion of the cast. Um, yeah, because I mean, he they've um, had quite a few reunions at these conventions in the past, and Eric Roberts is actually a really <laughs> sort of like nice bloke. He's actually quite quite funny. Um, it, it you think he's uh, quite like you know being a famous or like big well-known name you think he would be quite intimidating but it's actually quite a laugh um i remember at a convention in the uk after a fire alarm um he, he would just quite casually walk up and sort of like say you know have you got a light or something to you know fans or whatever and i remember that standing outside in the morning and during that particular fire alarm uh and it was quite nice really because you just go and start talking to people <laughs> Obviously a very friendly person then. Um, Fraser Hines, Daphne Ashbrook and Sean Dingwell, a.k.a. Jamie McCrimmon, Dr. Grace Holloway and Pete Tyler. Um, Obviously more companions there slash uh, relatives of uh, companions. It's uh, we, we, we get a wide spectrum of both people on and off screen with the Gallifrey one, don't we? Yeah, I, I mean... Um... Fraser Hines I've seen uh, half a dozen times before. Um, Daphne Ashbrook is absolutely wonderful. I've I've uh, seen her a few times. This will be the first time I think I've seen Sean Dingwell though. But um, it's it's always nice meeting sort of like new people. But um, yeah, I, def- I definitely have fond memories of Daphne Ash- uh, Daphne Ashbrook. Neve M- McIntosh. Uh, Richard Hope and Ian McNeese, three um, new um, Matt, recently Matt Smith act uh, supporting actors. Neve, who has played several Silurians, uh, two of which were in uh, the 
Silurian two-parter in series five, and also Madame Vasture, who has been in A Good Man Goes to War and The Snowmen, and is due to appear again in series seven, part two. Richard Hope, who uh, starred as a Silurian in the um, Silurian two-part in, in uh, series five, who also reappeared in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship as a Silurian on a hologram screen. And um, Ian McNeese, who is well known in the Matt Smith era for playing Winston Churchill in many episodes. Yeah, I, it's, uh, I mean, I, I think Madden Vester is one of those um, sort of like characters that... Um, you either love or hate, I think, and I think I think um, she, I think she's all right. <laughs> um, Richard Hope. It's it's sort of strange, really, because the name doesn't ring any bells. But um, I remember the character very well, and I remember thinking, I'm I'm sure I've seen or heard that voice somewhere before. But I, I could be wrong. I might have been thinking of one of the other um, Silurians, and um, Ian McNeese, of course. It's sort of like well known for his parts in Ace Ventura and all that sort of stuff so I, th- I think he actually made you know visually quite a good Churchill but yeah I think I think from w- from what I've seen in photography and old film records of uh, Winston Churchill I think Ian McNeese fits the fits the bill perfectly and he was a good uh, representation of him yeah yeah uh, <laughs> Nina Toussaint White, Chase Math- Masterson, and Finn Jones, aka um, uh, one of River Song's incarnations, or as you should call her, Mel's from Let's Kill Hitler. Um, Chase Masterson, who was um, a uh, was a, one second was a character in a um, Big Finish audio called... Is it like the... Sh- I think it was called the Shadow Heart. And then that character that she was in that specific audio has now got a uh, spin-off series called Vienna. And Finn Jones, who played Santiago Jones, the grandson of Katie Manning's Joe Grant in Death of the Doctor episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, it's, you know, that's, that's quite an, um, an interesting sort of like collection of people. Because, I mean, with the exception... Of um, uh, Nina, who's you know been in EastEnders and whatnot, uh, but Chase Masterson obviously is more known for Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. She was quite sort of like big with that, um, and of course Finn Jones um, comes from yeah, you know, as you say, the, the Sarah Jane Adventures. So it's like you've got a mixture of uh, different people in that section from that are known for different. Uh, things other than Doctor Who. Nicholas Pegg, Nicholas Briggs, and Lisa Bowman, three of the big Finnish uh, major players that uh, are coming over. Nicholas Pegg has obviously written and directed and acted in a lot of the big Finnish. Uh, Nicholas, who is obviously famous, uh, um, Nicholas Briggs, who is obviously famous for voicing Daleks and Sadman, both in the audios and in the new series. And Lisa Bowman, who uh, had a um, Minor cameo in uh, the final classic series story, Survival, as a cheetah woman, but also has later um, begun appearing as Bernice Summerfield in the audios, both in the Doctor Who canon, as well as the separate Bernice Summerfield audios as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I first heard of um, Nick Pegg and Nick Briggs from, from Big Finish, um, and I've, I've met them quite a few times and they're both 
you know, really, really nice guys. Um, Lisa Bauman, um, she was, it was actually quite funny, really, because Lisa Bauman was the first thing that, um, you know, sort of like Big Finish really did with um, the Benny Summerfield when they couldn't get the uh, license to do Doctor Who. So they pursued a different idea. Uh, and, of course, they um, gone to Paul Cornell and decided to go down the Benny Summerfield um, line. But, um, yeah, it, it's nice, I think, that she has a connection both to survival, because although she was in the whole story, you only actually saw her as her in you know the last few sort of like minutes of the episode. Um, but it obviously yeah. made a good enough uh, impression for them to, to look at her for the character of Benny. Yeah, and I mean, she's recently... Be- well, not recently, but she's relatively uh, recently become a major director for Big Finish in a lot of stuff as well because she, she, she um, as well as obviously being Bernie she's done a lot of production work for uh, Big Finish in her abilities as well yeah she'd she sort of like moved from sort of like in front of the mic to sort of behind it and which I think you know it's, yeah. it's, it's quite nice when people can do that I mean it's the same with a lot of the um, the actors when they want to sort of like write a story or something I, I don't think that happen has happened yet um, but I know it, it's sort of like funny, really, because in America they're quite happy to give cast members a, a shot at doing scripts, but it, it doesn't seem to happen very often in the UK. Not, not really. When uh, if any of the doctors wrote any episodes, they uh, just became myth and legend. <laughs> yes, yeah. Of course, Tom Baker did try, didn't he, with uh, Doctor Who meets Scratch Man or something? <laughs> yeah, because there was a there was an issue of a Doctor Who magazine that there was, there was uh, talking about it, but uh, William Hartnell and John Pertwee also tried to write yeah. episodes as well. I think what would have been good about um, yeah. The, the Tom Baker one though is you know Vincent Price in Doctor Who that would have been absolutely brilliant <laughs> yeah it's a chance that was uh, sorely missed mm. other uh, invited guests include Andrew Smith Gary Russell Jason Hay Gallery uh, Tony Lee Julian Holloway Dan Hall Jane Espenson Ed Stradling Sarah Douglas Julie Caitlin Brown and Andrea Thompson Len Wine Joshua Hale Fialkov, David Gerald, Barbara Hambly, Nancy Holder, Ashley Exneen, Steve Roberts, Peter Angelides, Javier Grillo, I can't read that, Doris Egan, Gillian Horvath, David Wise, Craig Miller, Darren Henry, uh, Travis Ritchie, Richard Dinnick, Charlie Ross, David J. Ho, Denton Tipton, Charlie Kirchhoff, Blair Shedd, Scott Han- Hancock, Sam Stone, Debbie Vigui, Paul J. Salam- Salamoff, Paul Hanley, Trina Race, Sarah Milkovich, Bridget Landry, Kim Stedman, Scott Eddington, and Eric Hoffman. Jesus, that's a long list. I think after um, uh, I think after about Andrew Smith. Uh, I think that what happens is the the guests get, although still sort of like known within the Who community, there are probably some names that don't ring as many bells or that uh, they um, are just involved in other things. Because the one thing that Gallifrey always does, not only do you get your Doctor Who people in, but you get in, you know, some of your Star Trek people, some of your comic artists, and you know, if you, a general selection of other people that might, you know, interest the attendees. 
although technically I should say after Gary Russell or Jason Hay Gallery, because obviously they are very well known in the Who community. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the list is long, but I mean, yeah, the, as I said, as I've said before, it's it must be a well populated um, convention with that many guests, because I think it must probably be the longest list of guests for any con- uh, Doctor Who convention that I know of. Which, which is funny when you consider the guest list in the earlier days. It was probably only about in the same as used to be in the UK you used to have like 10 celebrities and then that was it Right, it's twenty. It's been twenty-four years, and with each of those uh, conventions, the registration for the next year's festivities usually begins right during the con for registration to uh, reserve a place. But no, they're doing something different this year. They're leaving that till March eighth to uh, try to let people who are probably not who are probably new to Gallifrey one to try and get a chance to uh, get a place for the next for the next one next February. So. Uh, what do you think of that? Well, I, I think in some way, I mean, it, it's perfectly, you know, fair because I mean, it's it's like if you've got everyone at the convention trying to, you know, they, they've got a, a head start as it were because all they have to do is go pay and and then that's it. They can they can walk away and you know they're perfectly happy. Uh, but um, it does mean that it's harder for other people to get tickets to go. Um, I mean, fortunately, I don't have to worry about this next year because uh, as I, said, I, I won't, I won't be going. But um, I, th- I think it's it, it's nice that it's a, f- a fairer option. Um, it's just a yeah. case of you know, as long as everyone's there on on the eighth uh, and they don't blow the computers up or anything while trying to get them at the same time. <laughs> that um, yeah, I, th- I, just, I think it's I think it's fairer. Um, I mean, I, having I mean, the one experience I've had this year, um, although it wasn't to do with uh, tickets it was to do with the hotel the hotel itself you know sold out very very quickly i mean as it is i'm staying at a hotel just down the road it's probably like only two three minute walk away but um it's still it's always i always see it as a mild inconvenience when you're not staying at the convention hotel because it means you've yeah. got to, you can't just nip up to your room to drop off all the stuff that you've bought in the dealer's room or you can't just yeah. sort of like nip to the loo easily and stuff like that so but um it's still going to be a good good convention i'm just gonna be at the hotel as a visitor this time rather than a, <laughs> a stayer a hotel visitor that sounds that sounds like a nice label to put yours <laughs> yeah but uh, as well as all the festivities that uh, people like ian are going to be getting up to i mean you, you're taking a um Addictophone to be able to try and get it wherever you can because I mean so, some of the guests are going to have points where they'll be have a free moment so uh, we hope to get a few uh, anecdotes or anything like that from uh, some of the guests that you managed to catch up with because uh, I've so, so we've sort of um, put a rough uh, a list of people who we want to try and get I've just sort of suggested that if you can if you can catch them we go for like um, Freema, Sylvester, Philip, uh, Deborah, Mark, Peter, Saul. Ben, Mark, uh, Michael, Francis, Fraser, Daphne, uh, Neve, Dan, Finn, 
Nicholas, Lisa, uh, Dan Hall. Uh, I mean, it obviously, it depends on who you're able to get to, but uh, we, we hope to bring back some nice stuff to for the listeners of the 49 Up podcast to, uh, to to hear about what the guests think of the convention as well as Doctor in general. I mean, I mean, it's a bit it's a bit like um, you know a Facebook party where invite everybody, <laughs> and then when only so many turn off, or you can only get hold of so many, at least you end up with a reasonable amount of. Um, uh, footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is a good comparison. That. <laughs> but uh, before we uh, bring this podcast to a close, is there any like any like plans that you've got in motion at the minute about like what you're definitely going to be doing when you get there? Like uh, not immediately, but uh, with, within like maybe the first few hours of Friday or so, uh, when you're not in uh, like um, panels or uh, uh, showings or things. Well. Friday is one of those sort of like half and half days where I, I sort of still treat it as um, a sort of a bit of a relaxing day, <laughs> but um, I, <laughs> arguably it is also one of the quieter days, so it's probably the best time to to get in in touch with various people because obviously once you hit Saturday, everything just explodes into impossibilities. But um, it's the good the good thing about going to conventions abroad um, is, of course, you get to go and do stuff. So I've already planned that I'm going out on the Thursday and the Monday to either theme parks or some such. <laughs> but um, so you'll be thoroughly enjoying yourself then. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the thing <laughs> is, you, you, you've got to. I mean, I've known people that go out literally fly out on the Thursday and then fly back home on the Monday, which is, you know, which it's fine when you can do that in, in the UK where you just go to a convention and then you go home after it. But if you're traveling halfway around the world, you want something a little bit more than the convention. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. You want, you want time to really, to, to uh, equate the jet lag you suffer from. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's all like funny. It's, you only ever get, seem to get jet lag when you go home, not on the way out. And yet technically it's yeah. the way out that um, you're making your day eight hours longer than it <laughs> normally is. Yeah, it's just one of those things that doesn't quite make sense. Hmm. I think it's a, a psychological thing of saying, oh, no, I've got to go back to work. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just the emotional drain that yeah. becomes the, uh, the, the uh, jet lag itself. Hmm. Right. So that is our preview of Gallifrey 1 2013. So uh, Ian is going to be getting off to his flight very soon, which, as he's told me, it's going to be about uh, four o'clock. Is it morning or uh, afternoon on a Wednesday? 
Afternoon. Afternoon. Four o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday to be getting in relative, uh, I think it's Thursday, was it, would it be Thursday morning? About that? Um, it's it's seven o'clock Wednesday night because fortunately time oh. is going Oh backwards. yeah, because they're backwards, yeah. So, so you'll be getting in um, late evening on uh, Wednesday. Uh, mm-hmm. So we hope he has a very good time in L.A. at Gallifrey One and that he gets in contact with some of the guests and panels there. So we have some stuff to uh, feed back on in later episodes of the 49 Up podcast. Uh, well, back here in the U of K, uh, I will hopefully be getting back in contact with New Zealand George to fill in Ian's space on the podcast while he's out in the U.S. of A., so uh, then after that, we'll hopefully have all three of us together in one epi- in, in the uh, episodes to come in late February, early March, as we begin the countdown to Series 7, Part 2. So from me, James, this is goodbye. And from me, Ian, this is goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Please send any feedback to the 49 up podcast at gmail.com. That's T H E 49 U P podcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week or you will be deleted.